This podcast is brought to you by the NCAA Transfer Portal. If you're going to a money-making school and they pay for a good attorney, we will allow it. Menace to society. All right, welcome back. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. And uh, we've really pivoted this show, and, and we're on the verge of something huge, I think. And I uh, just want to kind of give you a recap before we get started. Uh, we're growing. Uh, we're about to take this to a whole other level, but we need your help. We're almost at about 150,000 downloads, just shy of that, and listeners, and we are investing this in this to make it grow. We're planning so many big things, but we need your support. We have big plans for the upcoming season, uh, game days, games of the week, live shows, video content, next off season, so much more. We're going to make this a national show that no one will be able to touch. You know why? Because people either can't provide this insight or won't. Here's what I need you to do. We launched a partnership that I've been mentioning on this show with Patreon. It's a subscription-based service, and we launched it so that we can fund the expansion and growth of this show. If you like this show now, you can't even imagine how much more you'll like it when we expand and grow and increase the scope and frequency of it. So here's what I'm asking you to do. First, go to our website and contact us. Join our mailing list and also tell us what you want. Tell us what would motivate you to support what we are doing. Secondly, go to our Patreon site. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Menace to Society Podcast. That's the number two. And sign up. We're still working out what all will be included in your membership. But the one thing I can promise you is this. If you are a member of our Patreon, you will get hooked up. Behind the scenes content, videos, gear, you name it. You'll be a priority, our priority. We have the tiers set up the way they are now, but I can guarantee you that all tiers are going to be better than advertised and you won't regret one penny spent. Furthermore, this Q&A segment or show that we're going to do every week, we're going to pull the questions from Patreon first, put them in priority because there's so many to get to and they're all great questions. We have to figure out a way to prioritize and get to those questions. Also, we've been teasing some merchandise we have coming. We have several other things in production, but want your input. What are you dying to see? We want your feedback. Go to our website, contact us, and tell us. We are doing this for you, for the typical college football fan, or atypical. We're trying to change sports media through you. So come help us. Uh, so we launched, uh, not launched, teased some of the merchandise uh, in this week on social media. And uh, there was a lot of support. People were fired up about a lot of it. It definitely pissed off some Texas fans. And I want you to know I, I don't mean any disrespect to Texas fans, the Texas school, the Texas brand, what it is. Uh, it's a funny shirt about a guy I think is a piece of shit. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry he's your head coach. Uh, I actually love Texas and everything it stands for. But as long as Tom's there, I'm, I'm going to find it really hard to not poke fun at the fact that Tom Herman is the head coach at the Texas. Um, definitely uh, subscribe to our Patreon, like I said, and go on our social media on our website and uh, support this movement. You won't regret anything you do, whether it's feedback, questions, uh, financial support, it doesn't matter. So we've, we've also entertained several sponsors and advertisers. We're in some great conversation, but the platform to do that is still open. You can contact us at sponsors at menacetosocietypodcast.com and we'll send you all the info if you are or might be interested. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's kind of get started. Uh, The first thing I wanted to talk about, and we discussed it in previous episodes, a number of people have asked about it. I actually was on uh, 
a podcast that I think is going to drop today. It's the big three uh, roll up. And uh, it's a podcast in Florida, in the state of Florida. It's about the big three schools, right? Florida, Miami, Florida State. And uh, it was really cool, really cool experience. Uh, and and I, know, I knew one of the guys going into it. And uh, so it was a lot of fun. And they asked me about Torrance Gibson. Oh, and, yeah. and it was something that uh, a lot of people have sent questions about. We've kind of teased it on the show. So I want to dive into it. And, and, and I want to bring it up because it is uh, an issue that's very close to home for me. But I want to take myself out of it. So this is, I'm going to talk about false accusations and, and what happened to Torrance, kind of his whole story, because it's a common story in athletics, right? And so I want to take myself out of it because I've made it very clear my, my I guess, point of view on my own life. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to remove that. Let's pretend if, if you don't like me or don't believe me, that's fine. Let's pretend I'm guilty and I did everything that was accused ever. That's fine. Let's talk about Torrance. So Torrance Gibson was a quarterback from uh, South Florida. He went to American Heritage High School. I recruited him solely, oh, Urban and I, and Tom Herman uh, recruited him a little bit, and then Tom ended up leaving. But he was a very, very talented kid, four-star, probably would have been a five-star if it weren't for concerns about Torrance. And uh, we recruited him hard. It was ended up being us, uh, Auburn, LSU. Everyone tried to recruit him. And at, towards the end, it was really us and Auburn. And then Auburn kind of fell off. And then it was us and LSU. And we ended up getting him. And I, I want to talk about that process and some of the things that went on because some of them are unbelievable recruiting stories. And I also want to talk about what hap to, happened to him after the fact and where he's at now. So the first thing is, uh, obviously, you try to get kids up to campus, right? When you're a recruiter, your whole focus is to build a relationship with the kid, his family, whoever's important, what I always call the decision makers, right? Try to build a relationship with them, and then you got to get them on campus. And when I recruited South Florida and Virginia Beach, the 757, we've, we've talked about that. That, that was easier for, the, for Virginia Beach, harder for South Florida. How do you get a kid up to campus, right? So Torrance was fortunate. He had an offense coordinator who's still a good friend of mine, uh, and he, his name's Mario Perez. He's a head coach down in Miami now. And he was kind of Torrance's, tried to be his mentor, try to help the kid as much as he could, try to provide guidance. And so he went on a tour uh, this summer, I guess after his junior year, maybe before. Either way, took him to a bunch of schools. Like he paid for it himself, just out of genuine care for the kid. And he took him to uh, a slew of schools. And Ohio State was one of them. This is like early June-ish, right after they got out of school. So Torrance came up and then, and then we had another camp in July. We kind of talked about it with Cam Newton. We, we started it at Florida. It's called Friday Night Lights. It was an under-the-lights camp in, in July, right? So we're trying to get Torrance to come back up to that. Well, uh, the offensive coordinator, a friend of mine, couldn't bring him up for whatever reason. So it looked like it all fell through, like it wasn't going to happen. And then all of a sudden, Torrance shows up at Friday Night Lights. He shows up with a guy I've never met, don't know, don't know who he is. Still to this day, I don't know his name. You still don't know. That's, that was my question. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any idea who he is. <laughs> and I, don't, I didn't know then. I just knew it was some guy that packed Torrance in his car and drove him to Ohio State. And I don't know why he did it. But I, when he got there, I called their head coach. I called the coordinator. I called his mom. I don't think I called his mom. I, but anyways, I, I reached out to everyone in Torrance's camp and said, who is this guy? And, they, and everyone was like, I don't know. Like He just said he was coming up there, and we have no idea who that is. And so we at Ohio State, we were very confused. Like, who is this guy? Because especially because that guy got there, it was like, all right, Torrance is going to do this camp. Like, I need, I need uh, mileage to come up here. And we're like, what, what? Like, we, <laughs> you want us to pay for your gas? Like, we don't know who you are. Right. And don't get me wrong. Uh, so here's how you used to be able to get kids to camp, and, and the NCAA has done a great job of, of trying to uh, eliminate this. Uh, I guess because they hate kids. 
<laughs> but you were able to, if it was like a high school coach or an offensive coordinator, someone with a title or someone that, that is important in their high school, you could pay that person to be a guest speaker at your camp. He could come in, speak to the camp, and you could pay his mileage to come to campus. And that way, one, you were able to uh, give the high school coach who doesn't make a lot of money some money to to afford the trip, and that way the kid comes to campus, right? I'm guessing there's a cap on that. There's uh, got to be a cap on uh, that. No? Technically, no. <laughs> um, oh. No. And they uh, – Ohio State, like I've kind of talked about their compliance where they're very strict, uh, and this is a good – good situation where they are they uh if it was over a certain number of miles they were like absolutely not they need to buy a plane ticket and then you can't pay for two plane tickets like you could fly them in but you can't fly the kid in so that doesn't help you yeah. so you always wanted them to drive and pay mileage but you get a kid from south florida you get a kid from like i had a kid from uh christian, christian kirk that his coach drove him and i, I was trying to get, i was like can we give him a mileage check i mean it's going to be like a four thousand dollar mileage check <laughs> but uh the answer was no to that um but Anyways, so he comes up front at lights and he's sitting there, wants to be a guest speaker, wants to know where his money's at. And uh, so th that's how we did it at Ohio State is camps. I know Tennessee did a great job. And I'm going to involve Tennessee quite a bit because they recruited Torrance. They did a great job with their coaches clinics. Like they it, completely separate of the kid. There was just kind of this unwritten agreement that they would hire a coach to come in at their coach's clinic by himself, fly him up, put him in a hotel, pay him five grand or whatever it was. He'd get to speak. They give him a framed Jersey. It was his big time deal. And it was all built around. All right, you take that five grand, take some for yourself. And then we want to see Benjamin Victor come up here. Right? So they did that. That's how they did it. Every school had a different way of doing it. A lot of schools mimicked each other. Um, and we could get into thoughts about that, but that's what happened. Right. And that's, that's 90% of the reason why now there's summer official visits. Because the NCAA was like, enough's enough. Like, we'll just let you do an official in the summer, which is which is fine. Um, now, if you want my opinion, I think the NCAA should allow two official visits to the same school. Like, you should get five schools that you pick, and you can go twice in the summer and for a game. Because think about it. Now, if the NCAA really only cares about the student athlete, which we all know they don't, right? No, not at all. But if that's what they really care about, why would you not? You're a multi-billion dollar corporation. Why would you not? allow Ohio State, who makes hundreds of millions of dollars, to pay for two trips. because well, And the, the kid would want to see the school more than just one time and make a decision for the rest of his life. Well, here's like, the problem. Geez. They do. They do see it twice. Well, at yeah, least. But they don't get, you know. They right. They have to pay for it. Yeah. You have a multi-million dollar institution that is trying their ass off to get this kid, but they're not allowed to pay for it? They make a kid that might not have any money have to come up with a way to pay for it? That just makes no sense. But uh, so you think about a kid, let's say South Florida, where I recruited that kid, if he's going to come to Ohio State, he deserves to come see it in the summer because you're going to spend quality time with the staff, really see every intricate detail of the program, the school, academics, everything, right? And he should come up to a game. How could you ever commit to Ohio State without having any clue what the horseshoe is or playing in it or seeing the atmosphere? You should never, right? So that's, that's, that's what's wrong with the system. Well, among several well, things. one thing. So anyways, back to Torrance. So uh, like I said, used to be able to pay uh, mileage and all that for guest speakers. And, and the NCAA has since acts that. The, the, you can still do that, but that, that coach is not allowed to have a prospect in his car when he drives. So I guess you have to take two cars. Um, but the NCAA is more worried about hurting kids financially to protect the equality of the recruiting playing field that is completely circumvented and corrupt than they are in doing what is best for the players and coaches. But that's 
been a long history of that. But back to back to Torrance. So he ends up doing these summer tours of colleges with his offensive coordinator, then comes back to Friday Night Lights, and then all of a sudden, he just randomly ends up in Tennessee. I mean, middle of the summer, nothing really going on, ends up in Tennessee. And I'm like, what the hell? How did that kid just get to Tennessee? Because I know that Mario didn't take him. I know that his offensive coordinator didn't go. And so I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to get to the bottom of it, talking to everyone down there. And apparently, listen to this. So Torrance was very active on social media. It scared a lot of people away from recruiting him. Uh, nothing bad on there. He just was very active. Apparently, he linked up with some random dude from Orlando, What be it a Tennessee fan, be it a Tennessee student. I don't know. So this kid from Orlando drives down to Fort Lauderdale, picks up Torrance and his teammate, a receiver there, uh, Snelson. I forget his first name. Uh, they drive and then drives him up to Knoxville, Tennessee. Drops him off. And kind of like, hey, there you go. Thanks thanks for visiting. And leaves. Right? So then he stays in the dorms. And now, no idea how long this trip is, how long he's visiting. I don't even know if Tennessee knew he was coming. Shows up. Ends up staying there for a luxurious six-night, seven-day stay in (laughs) the beaches of the Knoxville River. And so he stays in the dorms, which is legal, believe it or not. It's legal to stay in the dorms if it's, I think it's a two night maximum and you have to pay. You have to pay like uh, 20 bucks a night or whatever. And it's available to any, any prospective student. But after two nights, you can't do it, right? You have to go get a hotel. Well, he stayed in them, stayed there for seven, seven days, right? And so regardless of if you stay two or seven, you have to pay for it. But I know, I, I know this, he had to pay for a seven day stay, right? And I know that he couldn't afford it. He didn't have any money for it. And so... This put the staff at Tennessee in a panic because one, they don't know how the kid got up there, which is very illegal. Two, they know he can't and isn't going to pay for his stay in the dorms. And three, the biggest one, they don't know what the hell to do with him because he doesn't have a way back to Florida. He's stuck in Knoxville. And I can just imagine, I can't imagine if he came to Ohio State. The assistant coaches recruiting him was shitting his pants. Like, what am I supposed to do? But uh, somehow, <laughs> looks like he's committed to Tennessee. Huh? Right. <laughs> Some role. <laughs> somehow, some way, the dorm got paid for. He was afforded his way back to Fort Lauderdale, and after doing all of that and covering it up, Tennessee dropped him because he was too high maintenance. Supposedly, that I mean, and I did hear that from a number of people, including people in Torrance's camp. That's also a lot of times an excuse that people make when they don't get a kid. But I do. I think that did happen. They dropped him because he was too high maintenance. And then, uh, so fast forward, that all happens. It was drama-filled. Um, Torrance ends up kind of going off, you know, doesn't like us anymore, then likes us, then doesn't. It was a very drama-filled relationship. And then uh, then we go down and visit him, and, and a number of people had dropped him because just too much outside shit, right? So they drop him. There's about four schools left in it or really recruiting him. Florida's one of them, LSU, Auburn, and us. So we go down there, Urban sits in his office and we really sell the kid like, cause there was a point where there was some allegations about like a disagreement with a teacher where everyone in the country said, don't recruit him, bad kid. And we stuck by him cause he's not a bad kid. He's really not. So anyways, he does this, uh, we go down there and, and Urban was phenomenal. That was one of the best visits I've seen Urban Meyer in a closed room with a kid, a coach and his mom. He just goes after every other school. And he's, he's comparing them on the whiteboard, on the, you know, one of those grease boards. He, he's comparing each school. He's talking about each school and reminding Torrance and his mom that when everyone said he was a bad kid, we were the only school in the country that, that said he was a good kid, that we we're going to stick by him. And now it, he better stick by us because he's, he's our quarterback of the future. And, and, and 
If he goes, if he flips and goes to LSU out of nowhere, like what a what a disloyalty to the people that were loyal to you through a process where everyone said, nah, he's a shitbag, don't recruit him, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, we end up getting the kid, he comes to campus, he's going to play quarterback. And that was the other thing. Everyone was telling this kid he's going to play quarterback. We were genuine. We wanted him to play quarterback. He could throw it. He was ridiculously athletic, tall, long, everything. So he comes in playing quarterback after about the third practice. I mean, mind you, this is, we had Braxton, JT, Cardell. Like he, after about the fourth, third practice or fourth practice, he just randomly after practice goes up to, to Urban. Say, hey, coach, uh, I don't really like this sitting out stuff. Like, you think maybe I could play receiver for this year yeah. and then after this year go back to quarterback? He just wanted to get on the field. Yeah. yeah. And, our, and Urban, that and, makes sense. and our receiver group was kind of in limbo to kind of, you know, we obviously had some kids that were out the, uh, the first game against Virginia Tech and for drugs. And we had a lot of stuff going on. So Urban was like, hey, maybe he can help you. Like, let, just see how, see how it goes. So he switches to receiver and he he's very raw, very, very raw, but extremely talented. I mean, this is a kid that was like a 10, 600 meter kid at 6'4". And I mean, he could really fly. He could really, he was smooth. He had great hips, great change of direction. He was very fluid. So anyways, he switches to receiver. And we had uh, a guy on our staff that was an offensive analyst that's now, I think, the receiver coach at Maryland, who a lot of people in SEC, especially Kentucky fans, will know is Joker Phillips. He was an offensive analyst. He was very insightful. I really got to know Joker in that year. And I uh, learned a lot from him and about him. And he used to call Torrance the walking millionaire. He said, there, this, this kid is walking around right now, no clue that he's a walking millionaire. So what's crazy is what happened to him. So here's what happened. This is the issue. Torrance has academic services, right? Just like 99% of the team. He has tutors. He has learning specialists, the whole deal. Well, there's this tutor who's a young girl, a college-age girl, I guess. Uh, she starts flirting with him, starts pursuing him, trying to, trying to get him to be with her. Torrance had a girlfriend. And certainly he, he showed interest back. I'm sure there was some mutual interest, whatever. So uh, she's actively pursuing him. I mean, I'm talking about going to his dorm to see him. She's texting him, calling him, things like that. Just, just a norm, normal, normal college relationship, mm-hmm. trying to pursue someone that you want to pursue, right? Um, and then eventually he kind of, it, it never became anything because he had a girlfriend and yeah, and he, it never matriculated into anything. Yeah. And so that was the end of that, right? Until someone in the academic office overheard Torrance talking about the situation to some other players and addressed it with the tutor. They fired her for fraternizing with players, which is a strict no-no for tutors. And by doing so, they detonated a motivation so destructive, it ruined this kid's life. As it has so many in the world and also athletics because of one thing. Revenge. Immediately following her dismissal, she decided she was going to pay, get her payback on Mr. Gibson. She accused him of sexual harassment for, get this, taking a snap of her on, on her phone. Like he, she, they were hanging out in tutoring, like flirting, and he had her phone. They were messing around, looking at Snapchat, doing all this stuff. And so he took a Snapchat of her when she turned around to talk to another uh, player, I guess, of, of her backside, not like, I mean, just her backside in jeans, fully clothed, nothing inappropriate. I mean, maybe that's slightly inappropriate, but it was nothing uh, vulgar, right? Mm-hmm. So he takes this picture on Snap and, and, and sends and just like sends it to her or saves it in her thing, whatever. And then uh, this girl who was pursuing a relationship with him felt victimized by his flirtatious act. Not when it happened, but months later, when she got in trouble for pursuing a player and breaking fireable rules. She was the victim. She was the one that was hurt and he had to pay. 
So he did. A kid that if he was in our program for four to five years, would have been prepared for the real world. Possibly developed into an NFL football player, and at the very, but at the very least, he would have had some solid guidance to help him develop as a person and be successful. He would have had a foundation to build off of and just be a better person. Right. He had NFL skill. That's what he had. Now that whether he makes it to the NFL or not, a lot of that's in God's control. But he would have had a much greater, like you said, foundation for life. Well, at least he would have had a chance. He would have had a chance, right. So instead of that, the Title IX department at Ohio State, Dr. J, suspended him. He was not allowed to be on campus, was not allowed to have a meal plan, was not allowed to have a place to live. So the decision was this. Go back to South Florida, where he surely would never be heard from again. He would never come back to Columbus. There was no way he had the guidance and support there to make it out of this mess, right? Or get a job in Columbus and hopefully survive the suspension for a semester and come back to our program. That's the problem, right? He had that decision, and we obviously had to help him make that decision because we knew what would happen if he went back to Florida. So we, he, we, we helped him get a job as like a janitor in Columbus, helped him figure out living, helped him figure this stuff out, but then the kid was on his own. We couldn't provide any financial support, anything. Well, he couldn't even be on campus or anything, no, right? No. And so the, the few times that myself or Ryan Stamper, the director of player personnel, saw him, we had to drive off campus somewhere. It was like, it was like we had, this, had to have like top secret meetings. But anyways, back, back to uh, kind of let's, let's re- reconnect all of this, right? So after a while, people are in his ear. Uh, and they weren't wrong about what they were saying. For the most part, they're saying things like, uh, man, what Ohio State did to you was wrong. How they did you was messed up, man. You're just going to go back like nothing happened, like they ain't screw you over. And so he didn't. By the end of that suspension and, and, and semester, he he went and transferred to Cincinnati. But believe it or not, I thought this is the perfect spot for him to get a second chance. One, Joker Phillips is now the receiver coach there, right, a year later. And Joker already knows the kid, has a relationship with the kid, already thinks highly of the kid, so that's going to be big. Secondly, Luke Fickle runs a very similar program to Ohio State, right? He And Luke really cares about his players. I mean really cares. Not like coach cares, but genuinely cares. So Luke and I talked about it a couple times, and, and off Torrance went, right, to go to Cincinnati. Sure enough, the big bad NCAA had to step in. He was met with a hurdle. After, he was met with hurdle after hurdle because of a Pell Grant he received the semester he ended up getting suspended. He received the Pell Grant and they wanted it back since he wasn't enrolled in school that semester. Well, the problem is he had been living for six months on his own with no financial help and a, and a minimum wage job. So he had used that money to live, to survive, to pay rent, to pay for food, right? So he didn't have the money left. So what do they do? Nope, can't play. Got to go. So he leaves. He leaves and goes to a junior college where he played, did well, quit the team. Tried to rejoin the team, quit again. And then, sure enough, was back in South Florida. And what was he doing as I tried to keep following up to check on the kid because I didn't care about the kid? He was training for the NFL. He hadn't played a single snap of college football, but he was training for the NFL. He ended up getting no tryouts, which is shocking, I know. But he did get a shot at the CFL. He tore his hamstring off the bone in, in the CFL. Bad injury. Uh, probably because I'm sure he wasn't in shape enough for a professional football camp. And sure enough, back in South Florida again. Think about that now. Someone broke a very clear rule, a fireable fence, got fired for it, with a kid she was pursuing. 
he was flirtatious with her back. I'm sure he did some things, you know, that were led her on. I'm sure, and I'm sure he, he's no innocent man in all of this, innocent kid. But when she faced the consequences for her actions, she took his entire life from him. How is this okay in society nowadays? How? And what I really want to know is, where is the Brenda Tracy's of the world when these stories come out? I think sexual harassment, sexual assault, domestic violence, shit, any action that mistreats a woman or anyone for that matter should be taken extremely serious and should receive even more attention than it is today. Hashtag me too should be ripping through the halls of every institution in America because the, those horrible things happen all the time and they need to stop. We need to make a change. We need to make an impact. But where are these social injustice warriors when the very cause they are fighting for is weaponized with a motive for re revenge or destruction? Shouldn't those same warriors be as loud in fighting against the false accusers? False accusations undermine their causes. Women that get mistreated in whatever way are fearful of speaking out for several reasons. One of them is in fear of being brushed off as invalid or lacking credibility, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of the culture that does exist already to do that, these actual false accusations are promoting it. Well, why wasn't there more of an investigation? They're, oh, they investigated it. What was it happened with a the, it happened a number of times. It happened to Damon Webb. It ha I, I could I could list ten players where they investigate it. They find out that pretty much it's a consensual relationship. Uh, there was it, it didn't end well, and now it's time to get back at the player. But they what are they going to do? Why do they suspend him then? <laughs> exactly. What? Why? What did he do wrong? He was a college kid that was getting pursued by a girl. He entertained it. Ended up not not going through with it. What, what's what's the issue? So it's a suspension. Awesome. Yeah. And now Torrance Gibson is one of the thousands who lost a dream life over a vengeful accusation that proved false. He lost what he dreamt of for 19 years. And, and it wasn't right. This happened countless times in, in my career that I saw. Shoot, Ezekiel Elliott was suspended from the NFL for a domestic situation that the victim herself admitted prior to, during, and after via her text messages that she was fabricating it entirely to bring him down. He lost millions of dollars. What did she lose? Why did he lose it? What is wrong with this world? I think the thing that really struck me about that whole situation is you have a coach, or a former coach, Joker Phillips, who was the head coach at Kentucky, coins Torrance Gibson, the walking millionaire, right? You know he has the talent to be something special, and then it just gets stripped from him. And nobody knows his name outside of a few hardcore college football fans. Yeah. And, I mean, at least Zeke got his chance and, and gets to still make his millions. But this happened to Torrance before he got that chance. Before he got there. Yeah, and you know what? Torrance is far from perfect. This is not – I'm not saying this like <laughs> well, like Jesus Christ, the Savior, got wronged. Uh, this well, is, he did. Well, he did too. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but the moral story is – I, I the way that it was handled with Ohio State's Title IX department was outrageous. Uh, the way the NCAA handled the Pell Grant is just outrageous. But that's the NCAA for you. So this was before the whole transfer portal <laughs> the thing? Po yeah, the portal. The portal. Yeah, the, the infamous portal. Yeah, this is pre-portal. And that they just, like a few days ago, I think, just made it even tougher for people to to transfer in the in the portal. Well, it depends on who you are and where you're going. Yeah, that's true. You think about it, and, and there's been a couple stories that I saw that, that I want to bring up because the NCAA is so hypocritical and so so ridiculous. 
um, the, some of the people they have approved their waiver and they're eligible to play, and then some kids that are not afforded the same approval. Uh, and the one that hit me square in the face was the kid uh, James Hudson, the, tra- the kid that transferred. Oh, yeah. He was from Ohio, transferred from Michigan to Cincinnati, and uh, his, the reason he cited for transferring was mental health issues, right? And uh, it was denied, I guess, because he did not speak up about those issues at Michigan. So they denied it. Or, I, don't, I don't know if the NCAA knows anything about mental health, but it, just because you didn't speak up doesn't mean you didn't have the issue. Well, that could be part of the mental health issue. Right. You don't want to talk about it. Also, it was it said in the one thing I read that it was uh, that Michigan didn't confirm that he ever spoke up. So he may have spoke up, and Michigan just didn't confirm it. Well, I'm gonna be honest. It's an asshole move by Michigan, I think, well, because for sure. because they they could have helped him become eligible. They probably were bitter or something like that. But, I mean, Ohio State didn't do that with Tate Martell, and no one really does that because you're hurting a kid. And the NCAA ultimately is responsible for that. But, I mean, there's a couple other ones, like that kid Luke Ford, the tight end uh, from Georgia that transferred to Illinois because he had an ill family member. Denied. Uh, That kid Brock Huffman, the O-lineman, went from Coastal Carolina to Virginia Tech for a similar situation, ill family member. Denied. And, I mean, I'm sitting here looking like Trayvon Grimes transferred from Ohio State, right? He was granted his waiver. He had a family member who was diagnosed with a disease and he wanted to move closer to home, got approved, right? Despite his transfer placing him with a four and a half hour drive from his family, a much greater distance than a direct flight from Columbus, a much greater time, and also, or or a drive from Miami or UCF or FAU, but he was granted his release. But in my opinion, like, let him play. He and Tate, James Hudson, Luke Ford, Brock Hoffman, let him play. Whether the, whether the, it's a legitimate issue and the kid transferred because of it, or maybe it just wasn't a right fit. He got lied to in recruiting or got fooled or got the curtain got pulled back and it wasn't what he thought it would be. But that also could just open the floodgates for anyone can move at any time, and but, they don't want that either. Yeah, but that's ridiculous. It already is like that. Look at Ohio State. Ohio State went into this season, what, six months ago, and they had Tate Martell as their quarterback, right? And then they had... Uh, you Baldwin, look, right? Yeah, yeah Matthew, Matthew Baldwin, Baldwin was going to was gonna fight for the job. I mean, they had a quarterback depth chart on the board, and then six months later, take all those magnets off, throw them away, and now there's a whole new magnets up there. Like, it's already going on. I don't know what the issue is. I think you just let them play. Make it one transfer rule, right? If you transfer once, you're, you're free to play. And if you transfer a second time, you're now officially a flake, and you have to sit out for a year. Because this it's just ridiculous. I agree with that, and it sucks also because... Coaches can transfer or get new jobs, and I mean, that's it's the NCAA trying to control their the one controllable the money factor, makers, right? Oh. The the players, just like you can't you can't pay the players, uh, they can't receive anything because of their their likeness or popularity. Uh, it's just the NCAA being out of touch with the reality of the sport, and they do it all the time when they make rules, when they do things in recruiting. Ninety nine percent of college football coaches, when rules come out, sit there and scratch their heads like. Who the hell thought this was a good idea? Well, the the, hip, the hypocrisy, I think, is what's crazy. Like, just a couple months ago, they uh, started that committee to look into paying players for their likeness. And then just last week, California, California. puts into a law that they want to allow college players in California to be paid for their likeness. The NCAA comes out and says, that's fine. If you do that, we're not going to let any California school be part of our postseason. Yeah. 
They so, can't be in I, bowl games. They can't be in the playoff. We need an XFL, man. We need to get an XFL college, <laughs> college football. The, Start right? the XCAA. Yeah, right. Start a new one. Because the NCAA is so crooked and wrong. It's just I wanted to start one. So you know what's so funny? And we'll get back to that in a second. But let me. I want to talk about a, sto- a hilarious story that uh, I was told from a, a staff member that I was friends with, that we, I worked with, that was involved in an NCAA investigation. Because the NCAA comes in, and, I, and I've had one interview with them. It's after I got fired, after everything with the strip club and Tom Herman came out. The NCAA came in to see, did anything improper occur? And it's funny, because they ask you these questions, and it's like, one, I don't want to coach again. I don't care. I'll tell you whatever. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. Well, uh, do they, they don't pertain to the investigation. No, no, no. This was all about, did Ohio State or Tom Herman do anything wrong? Mm-hmm. And I could have flat said, yeah, Tom Herman paid $2,000 for strippers, and, and which didn't happen. But I could have said that, and the NCAA would have been like, oh, shit, we got now we got to figure out what to do to him. But anyways, th- so this one coach that was involved in a, a major academic scandal, uh, the NCAA came in and investigated him. And he talked to his uh, agent and his attorney, and they were like, just don't answer any question. Like, what do you mean? They're like, just sit there and say something outlandish. And so this is what the guy, this guy said. Uh, the NCAA was like, did you know that uh, the tutors were being paid at, at, to write papers for the players? And he looked at him and said, I don't even like pizza. <laughs> and they were like, um, uh, write it down. Nope, that's and the they answer. Were like, that goes in the official report. <laughs> I don't like pizza. And then he, he, they were sitting there like, well, did you know about the academic scandal going on with your football players? And he was like, the Big Mac's a great burger. <laughs> and after he said, after like five minutes, they were like, ah, fuck it. This guy's not telling us exactly. shit. In- interview over. Like, <laughs> whatever. Like, just say, he answered every question. I mean, I, he didn't answer the, any question they asked, but he answered. And, and, but that's the NCA. Like, they, they, they think they have this power and they do. They're controlling everything, but screw them. Yeah. Well, what is, what is the rule even about transfers? Like, what is the rule that you get on a waiver? All right, yeah, let me pull it up. Uh, it's, okay. Something about health, safety, or well-being. I yeah, know that. I just I have it right here. It says it's uh, it needs to be documented, extenuating, ex- extraordinary, mitigating circumstances outside of the student-athlete's control that directly impacts the health, safety, or well-being of the student-athlete. Right. Whatever that means. That right. Seems vague. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean they, they, they... They added the two, extenuating and extraordinary. Yeah. Very ambiguous words. Good good job, NCAA. So let's look at it. Like Justin Fields, eligible right away. Why? Race issue at Georgia, right? He's leaving him leaving definitely mitigated that public threat or issue, right? Yeah. James Hudson, sounds like it also. Moved back to his home state to mitigate his mental health issues. He's trying to fix them and still find happiness. Sounds like that's it. But what about Tate Martell? What in God's name was threatening his health, safety, or well being at Ohio State? What was it? The only threat was to his ability, ability to, start to get on the field. starting position. <laughs> right. Or Urban retired? Oh, that has never happened before. Yeah. No one's ever retired, got fired, or left. But and, and never mind that. I think Tate should play. I, I agree. And just a, f- a few weeks before entering the portal, he was in interviews confidently stating he was going to be the guy at Ohio State and, and that he's invested all this time. And then like a week later, he's in the, the portal, man. He's bags packed, sitting in the portal, waiting to get picked up. And it's like, and he goes to Talk a is cheap. school. Well, no, not no. only not only that, never mind that. that. He should be allowed to play. He should be allowed to transfer and play. He didn't like the situation in Ohio State. Transfer and play. It's your life. You're the athlete. Like, why do, why do you have these binding factors put on you by the NCAA? Why? He should be. But then when they're denying other people for good reasons, and then they just let him go. 
Well, that's what I mean. It's they just should just be allowed to go. Inconsistencies. But a lot of people have asked what was Tate like in recruiting and how I think he'll do at Miami. And and let me talk about Tate because I recruited Tate. I, I've talked about it. Recruited him at a Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. Excellent. Awesome place. Really cool place. I, I mentioned it as one of the top high schools I've been to. Um, so recruiting him was was bizarre, wild, and, and awesome. It was a cool experience. Uh, going out there, getting to know those people there, recruiting other players there, um, going to Vegas. Vegas is an awesome city. But there was so much with his recruitment that was different. Well, like, he always came off like he seemed like he was a kind of like a superstar mentality. Like oh, yeah. He was he, the pretty boy diva. Yeah, but he, <laughs> but he's a great kid. I, I really like Tate. Uh, he definitely had some celebrity status to him. I mean, he was what? He was on that documentary, QB1, Beyond the Lights. He was uh, like the high school. He won the National Player of the Year award. I mean, there was a lot of celebrity to Tate before he ever did anything in football. I mean, I guess he had a good, really good high school career. I don't think he, I don't think he lost a game. He won like two national championships, just dominate. Well, they're playing in Nevada. There's only really two schools in Nevada that are worth a shit. But they, but the, but you can't even hold that against them. They play a national schedule now. They go to Hawaii, California, Florida. They go everywhere and play the top Texas. You name it. They play the top teams. So uh, we, we recruited him. He he committed. I already told the story about Adidas and him thinking about flipping to UCLA and then then came back to Ohio State. Ended up signing with Ohio State. Uh, funny thing is, Bishop Gorman wouldn't allow him to graduate early. They, there's a lot of these schools, private schools, Catholic schools, whatever, that won't allow a kid to graduate early. They just flat won't allow it. It happened uh, in Bishop Sullivan in Virginia also, and it's happened at a number of them. So what these kids do is what Tate did was he transferred schools for his uh, like last, I don't know, four weeks of his fall semester. Right after football season ended, transferred schools, knocked out a semester's worth of work on a computer at this school in four weeks and graduated from a separate high school. Totally, that's, he's, he's not even a Bishop Gorman grad. That's crazy. Four years there, not even a Gorman grad. And so I uh, graduated early, and he was dead set. Like, he told me all the time. He said, Coach, I'm telling you, I'm built different. Like, I'm going to come in and beat out JT. And he, he had – but he, he was definitely cocky, definitely overconfident. But you know what he had? He had that it factor, like you wanted. It was awesome. It was like this little cocky little shit that was coming in to, to take over the world. And that's what you want in a quarterback. And uh, I'll tell you this about Tate as far as a player. He's an elite playmaker. He's extremely dynamic with the ball in his hands. Like he used to make our defense look stupid sometimes on scout team and, and, and when the twos are going against the ones and he, he, he is dynamic. He's kind of Braxton Miller esque. He's what, not the thrower that Braxton was, but as far as an athlete, he's just that he's an elusive shifty kid. Right. But a very, he's a very, was a very average thrower and kids can get better at throwing the football. Um, he had triple, typical freshman struggles with not playing and not performing as well as he wanted to. But by the end of his freshman year, he had really embraced that he was young and he was getting better and had a role. So how will he do at Miami? I, I, I would not sit here and say, how will he do at Miami? He's got to become the quarterback at Miami. He can't, he's not like that elite that he's, the job is his and he should run with it. He's going to have to go win the job. And then how will he do? We'll see, right? It's he's going to have to become a better thrower to compete at a high level at quarterback. Well, it sounds like he has like a ego like Baker Mayfield, well, but kind of the, not the edge or the uh, he doesn't because, have the arm of Baker Mayfield. Well, I know I that, think. but he also Baker Mayfield was a walk on and all that, so it gives him like that edge. Like I want to prove the you chip wrong on his shoulders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he definitely has an edge, a very different edge, but he definitely has an edge to him and a chippiness to him and a chip on his shoulder for sure. But it sounds like he thinks that it should be just given to him. Nah, I no. mean, he, he he expects 
to have it because he's always been the guy. He's always had it. And he's, and he's always been in a national light. He's always been a celebrity. And so I think he struggled with that as a freshman going through not being that. Mm-hmm. And he actually, I think, found a little comfort in he finally accepted who he was, where he was, and his role. And he just was like, you know what? I'm going to go out and be the best scout team quarterback in America. And he used to embrace it. Like he would be, he was Baker Mayfield. And then he was, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, Trace McSorley. And he was embracing it. And he obviously had to post about it on social media. And, and mm-hmm. But he, he embraced his role and started, he, when he, once he did, he started getting better. And so we'll see what Miami staff can, can do with him as far as throwing the ball. But they have an elite athlete, for well, sure. One thing I think Ohio State fans – will be interested in I, I'm curious about because I didn't see it as much last year as I thought I might is what did you guys have a specific a like Tate Martell package like this is what he's good at we're going imp- to implement this so it wasn't really a Tate Martell package um, there was the offense was different with Tate than it was with Dwayne or different than with Tate than it would have been with JT even though both of them can run so it's, it goes back to what I talked about with Ryan Day and how he's going to, you know, transition the offensive philosophy for Justin Fields. It's what Tate did well was the Tate package. What Dwayne did well was the Dwayne package. If you're going to run QB counter with Dwayne, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to run 60 drop back passes with Tate, you're an idiot. Like it was just about doing what the kids did well. So the look of the offense is the only thing that changed. There wasn't a specific package. It was just we have these plays but Tate's better at him, so if he's in, we'll run. Yeah, I mean, call, call it what you want to call it. I mean, was it a Tate package? Sure, yeah. It was a package of plays that he's good at. Yeah. And was there a Dwayne package? Yeah, sure. It's, it's, well, people get so upset. Now, when you when you can say that is, is there a specific package that you're going to implement as a separate offensive attack in the middle of a game at times, right? And it's it, it's going to be what I just said. It's going to be what they're good at. But now you're talking about it's a part of our – everyday offense or every week offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I've never seen that work out. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it becomes very uh, dysfunctional on offense. It's very inconsistent. There's no rhythm, no groove. It just never goes well when, when I've seen teams do it. We've tried to do it. Uh, I mentioned doing it with Braxton when he was a receiver. Like, it just never goes well. well didn't, didn't you have one with Tebow? That's what I was just about to ask. Yeah. Well, and, and that was that you was, had to get him in. Yeah, but that was that was back when that was a, a commodity. Like that was mm-hmm. people didn't know that. And that's and, true. And we had it with Tebow. It was called short yardage. So yeah, we had it to get two yards and it worked. Yeah, it was what the QB power up the middle and then the jump pass. So those were like the I mean, two yeah, plays. And there was there was a couple other plays, but the moral of the story was it was a short yardage offense, is all it was. Yeah. And there was a couple little trinkets off of that, but it was it to say that it was going to be successful, to say, all right, the third drive, we're going to employ the Tebow package and go out and change our complete offense and march down the field and score. And then the next drive, go back to Chris Leak, and it's, it doesn't work that way. There's no rhythm. There's no groove. It doesn't happen like it's that. It's more situational. Way more situational. So gotcha. it, um, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch Tate. I'm a, I'm a Tate Martell fan. Um, I've known him for whatever it's been now, three years, four years. Um, I'm really excited because I, I I hope he is the guy. I hope he wins the job. That'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and and, and I'm going to tell you right now, you're you're going to see him on some top ten plays. I don't. And if he improves as a thrower, he's going to be really good. And if he doesn't, he's still going to have some highlights. Now he's a highlight reel waiting to happen. So I'm I'm excited for Tate and, and you know just to wrap up the transfer portal. I think everyone in the country, including the NCAA, knows it's broken. And they keep doing things that makes it more broken. So at some point, they're going to have to step in and say, time out, re- just blow it up and start over. Revamp the whole thing, make a concrete rule that is never wavered from, and stick to it. 
You get it one transfer, then you can play. After that, you got to sit out a year. I don't care what happened. You have to sit out your second time. The times are changing. They need to catch up. Well, that's the NCAA for you. A lot of times, if it ain't broke, they'll fix it. And if it is broke, they just let it happen. (laughs) That's the NCAA for you. All right. Well, I I appreciate you guys joining. I want to just preview kind of the the new structure that we're going to go with of this show. Uh, Obviously, we were going to do the question and answer show yesterday, and we went through this week, had some meetings, and we're going to revamp how we drop the shows. Still going to do what we talked about, three shows a week, one of them being a QA and a show. So we're going to actually drop that this weekend, probably Saturday, and then next week we're going to shift. Because we're gonna get, we're giving our Patreon subscribers access to the show a day early, so we're gonna put the shows Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday or Sunday for the Q and A, and then Patreon subscribers will get the show Monday, Wednesday, and the day before the Q and A show. So uh, that's that's where we're headed with that. We apologize for the confusion this week and, and kind of being all uh, out of whack, but that's where we're going. Uh, we also our website, if you haven't noticed and haven't went to it in the last week or so, it's already started to transform a little bit. We're we're adding a storefront, we're adding a written content section, we're trying to revamp it to make the website something valuable also that you can go to at work or I guess not at work. You should be working, right? But you could go to it on, at your leisure and and get some good content or find some funny articles or some informative articles or some analysis. Analysis. So we're going to revamp the website again. It's uh, menace, to, menace to society podcast.com. So make sure you check that out and, and, and put it on your favorites because I think in the next two, three weeks, it's going to have a completely different uh, look and, and more in-depth content. And then we also uh, didn't get to it and I'm pissed about it, but we got to get back to our top 10 segments and um, definitely, uh, definitely have a good one already written and ready that we're going to drop on Monday. And then also, I, I, I get, we got to talk about it because a number of people have asked, uh, start to analyze who the best team in college football history is. And we're going to start with the two teams that I was a part of because I have intimate knowledge, and then we're going to move from there. It's going to be kind of like a tournament, right? Whoever, whoever's uh, discussed and, and analyzed and comes out of it as the best, then we'll put them up against the 0-1 Miami. Then we'll put them up against this team and that team and kind of just see how it shakes out in, in, in our opinion. And then, uh, like I said, later this summer, we're going to try to do a live show. A number of people reached out asking us to travel to Youngstown, travel here. And um, in the future, maybe. We, I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but we're going to stick to this first one first. It's going to be in the Columbus area, probably uh, around campus, near campus. A couple venues have reached out and we've talked to them. Working on the details, I'll give you more information. But if you're interested, definitely uh, let us know so we can try to drum up support and make it something cool. And then uh, we'll obviously give all those details to our people that subscribe to our newsletter and our subscribers in, on Patreon. We'll get a discount to anything we do, and they get discounts to the store, discounts to uh, any events. So looking forward to that. Uh, do do keep an eye out for our apparel. Uh, I've, we've dropped a lot of teasers. It's, it's still in process. Uh, we placed some orders, so those should be in mid-July. We're going to start taking pre-orders in a week or two. So get ready for that. Like I told you before, it's going to be the Menace to Society apparel line, Zone 6 apparel line, and then a kind of a trash talk fun line. Uh, some hilarious shirts from show topics. And uh, definitely subscribe to Patreon. Help us help us out, support us, and help us make this thing grow. We think it could be even bigger, even better, and we want to be able to deliver that content and that quality for you. So again, it's patreon.com backslash Menace to Society podcast. Sign up, subscribe, and, and we'll be in touch on there. And then uh, the platform for sponsorship and advertising still open and available. Um, just really getting started with that process. So email us if you're interested. Sponsors at menace to society podcast.com. 
I hope you enjoyed the, the, the show, the analysis, the stories. I uh, hope it was educational, entertaining, um, and really just hope you liked it. Hope it was something that you'll come back and listen to and also share to friends and, and coworkers to try to make this thing grow. So um, thanks for listening. And if you didn't like it, as we say, go fuck yourself, San Diego. Menace to society.